Peace girl, peace The English translation of this Cree prayer song by Carmel Crowchild. All things holy under the sun bless me. All things holy under the sun bless creation. You are listening to One Week in August, written and read by Kelly Carius. Hello, my friendly folks with an X. I'm back, and I'm so glad to be back. You may or may not have noticed that it's been a good month since the last episode was recorded, and that's because I had a small heart attack, but I'm okay. Um, Little damage, they say. It was a lady heart attack, the kind where you spend maybe the week before wondering, oh, what's this extra pain that I'm having, and oh, that pain was kind of bad, but what is it about? So I highly recommend everybody just marching on out and getting their cholesterol checked and paying attention um, to their health that way. One of the things that was mentioned while I was in the hospital was that there was a cholesterol test from a couple of years ago that didn't get responded to. So, um, you know, making the assumption that somebody's going to call you if something is wrong. Yeah, maybe that's not too cool. And it's a little better to take things into your own hands. So I'm very glad to be here. I just listened to all of the episodes up till now to make sure that I remembered what I had said and, and have done what I said. And Uh, Again, I hope you join the Facebook page. I just posted a post um, with a reference from episode five saying, please tell me your hooray. And uh, I didn't post it in there, but I I should say that my hooray is getting through this health episode and uh, coming out on the other side smarter and uh, making some different decisions and carrying on with everything that was happening before. So uh, I I found it hilarious and fortuitous that I ended the last episode by saying, wait for it, I'll give you an episode eight sometime, and sometime is here. Happy, happy new year. Let's get into this story. With my new determination, I started making all the calls I needed to make and returning the calls I'd avoided this morning. Jane and Marjorie Simpson needed a verbal spanking, counselors, and a mediator. Jane would be placed in a group home for a couple of days until they both cooled down. I'd see what I could do to put a rush on the counseling sessions. They were still on a wait list. Our department had just started using mediation and was finding it really helpful in parenting conflict. It involves working together with everyone involved to make an agreement for a teen to return home, maybe to carry his or her own weight, or for a parent to make necessary changes. It drives me crazy how many parents bring us their broken teenagers and want us to fix them. The problem usually is a lack of discipline from a young age. Lots of parents would say that their child was so good they didn't need any discipline. 
I thought these parents probably just gave their kids whatever they wanted. It's easy to be good if you always get your candy. And then the candy turns into sex and drugs and cars. Edna's issue was easy. A quick email to finance and a call and she was happy. And on to the challenge for the day. The first thing I needed to do was call Constable Harris. Black. Three deep breaths and I picked up the handset and dialed. Reception put me through to his line. I silently prayed for a message manager. Not to be. Constable Harris. Hi, Constable Harris. It's Anna Fremont. I'm calling because I've been assigned the Spillay case, and I understand you're working it from your end. Yep. I could see this was going to be like pulling teeth. In another track of my brain, I cursed Mark in my earlier outburst. Where is Sarah now? I asked. In cells, downtown. You can pick her up anytime. Be glad to be rid of her. Excellent. Three sentences. What happened? No conflicting stories. Everyone agrees that Sarah attacked her mom when her mom tried to tell her she couldn't go out to the movie. Her mom had just had a call from the school about her ducking out of classes. Mom called 911. Cars and an ambulance responded. Hmm, opening right up. This isn't like pulling teeth at all. Any other calls to this home? One last month. Similar situation, but less physical violence. We can't press charges, so this is all yours. His gracious offer didn't surprise me. The Young Offenders Act often left police officers' hands tied in terms of doing anything to affect the behavior of young people. When you can't do anything to fix a situation, you just want it to go away. Do you want me to keep you posted? Nope. Let me know when the chickie-boo turns 12, and I'll see what I can do then. We said our goodbyes. I was pleasantly surprised with how well this call had gone. I'd built up something in my head that was much more extreme. Perhaps a yelling match or a direct refusal to share information. I realized I was being ridiculous. There are times that my mind takes me to really unnecessary and unhappy places. Time to hit the road and make some visits. The rest of the morning zipped by. I talked to Margaret Spillay in the hospital. She'd recover, but the way she defended her daughter made me want to scream at her. I tried talking about ways to make Sarah accountable for her behavior, but Margaret wasn't having any of it. She wanted Sarah out of the jail cell and back at home. She felt that the only way to fix the situation was just to allow them to spend some time together and for Margaret to forgive Sarah. As I listened to these words coming from a face colored black, blue, and red, I couldn't help but think about what might happen next time. Margaret talked a lot about what a good girl Sarah was, how she did so well in school and had lots of friends. She was a leader in her group, Margaret said. This mom was quite determined not to see the negatives about her daughter. She also said Sarah would never act in an angry way towards Sam, only towards her. She had tunnel vision about how to help her daughter and admitted to being overwhelmed with all the emotion involved in this conflict with her daughter. Margaret asked for my help in getting her daughter out of jail. She wouldn't be released from the hospital for another hour, and she didn't want Sarah to spend a moment longer than she had to there. I refused, hiding behind policy, saying that I was pretty sure we weren't allowed to do that and that a family member would have to claim her. I could have. I just didn't want to. Notwithstanding the pleasure of tormenting Constable Harris, I just thought she should spend as much time in jail as possible. 
especially since it seemed like there wouldn't be any discipline at home for this incident. Margaret was not pleased with me and became challenging me, telling, telling me that my job was to protect children and that I wasn't doing a very good job of it if I didn't get her daughter out of jail and protect her from the police system. I did go to the jail and have a discussion with Sarah. Sandra was right about her, an interesting girl with a limited yet versatile vocabulary. We met in the interrogation room. Not a nice place to meet, but as far as I knew, it was private and quiet. I asked her to tell me why she was here. Because my mom's a fucking bitch. Hmm, really, what happened? All I wanted was to go to a movie. Should that be so hard to just say yes? I heard you were skipping classes, is that right? Makes no difference. The movie has nothing to do with school. No acceptance of her own responsibility in the situation. Everything that happens happens to me and nothing is ever my fault. How do you feel about Sam? I asked. He's a little fucking shit. Always getting into my stuff and telling on me. Now I just tell him that I'll beat the shit out of him if he, even more if he tattles on me. This was pretty contradictory to what her mother had just told me. I definitely need to talk to Sam. Deliberately not responding to her threat to beat the shit out of him even more, I asked, what kinds of things does he tattle on you for? For hitting him? Sometimes for stealing money? He's a jackass. Sometimes he just makes stuff up. Do you hit him and steal money? I have to. Mom should be giving us more money. She does when I ask for it, but I shouldn't have to ask for it all the time. What do you spend money on? A hesitation. She's deciding she's talked too much. Nothing much. Candy. So what are you going to do when you get out of here? I'm going to meet my friends. When am I going to get out of here? Are you taking me? Nope. You got to wait for your mom to get out of the hospital. Come on. Can't you take me out of here? You can just drop me off at the mall. Oh, this is really shitty. Come on. Don't be a fucking bitch. She banged her handcuffs on the table. I just looked at her as her emotions escalated. Come on. Fuck. You're supposed to help me. I'm calling the advocate. I'm calling someone. It's really fucking bad in here. You can't do this. Fuck, fucker. I turned and walked away. No questions about how her mom was doing or if she could go home. No respect for herself or anyone else. No responsibility. The minder at the desk had come to the door when the yelling started. He escorted Sarah back to the cells as her yelling rampage continued. When he returned, I was still standing by his desk. Thanks a lot, he said. I always appreciate the way you people calm things down around here. I slunk away, knowing that he was right. Most often, when one of the social workers showed up, it made things more difficult for the officers. Constable Harris caught me on my way back through the busy station room. With his surfer boy good looks, Tim thinks he's able to charm anyone into doing what he wants. That didn't work last time, and it's not going to work this time, I thought to myself. Constable Harris likes to be in charge and will run as much of the organization as anyone will let him. He makes quick decisions and sometimes appears impatient, domineering, and challenging. Last time I had to deal with him, it was like he wasn't even listening to me. He was totally focused on what he perceived had happened in the Dion case. I was totally focused on how his perceptions were lies. Hey, Fremont, he boomed. I stopped in my tracks, looking around for him. His towering head was looming closer. You taking her? He asked, assuming I'd know what he was talking about. I did. Nope, I'm going to leave her here. Mom has no interest in enforcing discipline, so neither do I. 
No one is voicing worries about the younger child, but Sarah does confess to hitting him. I'll still talk to him, but if no great concerns are named, she'll go home. She called me a fucking bitch, among other names. Her mom will come pick her up later. Maybe the way her mom looks might shake her up a little bit. Constable Harris listened closely to what I was saying. He was really quite a handsome guy. The crooked nose and half-smile added to his appeal. Too bad his personality didn't match his face. He threw the half-smile at me now. Glad this one is yours. Yeah, till the next call comes to you. It was interesting how well the past two conversations with Constable Harris had gone. I could have sworn he'd be awful to deal with on anything since the Dion case. He was an interesting guy. Maybe I'd been too hard on him. As I thought over the details of that past situation, I decided, eh, he just wasn't the kind of guy a person should trust in any important way. I left the station house and looked around. The sun was shining. The grass was green. Trees were in full leaf. Hey, hey, what is happening here with Constable Harris and our heroine of the book? Is there an attraction there? Is she wavering? Is she going to stick with this? with this issue with his personality? Is she a believe them the first time they show you kind of girl? This seems like a good minute to talk about relationships and conflict in relationships and mostly starting relationships off and trying to decide, is this the right fit for you? And, 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 and is this the right person for me to give my energy to and get energy from? We have, as human beings, this weird exchange of energy that will either pull us up or pull us down or encourage us to stay exactly where we are. And it's been, relationships have certainly been an interesting journey for me and that could probably be a podcast all on its own but one of the things that I've learned is that it's important to watch to watch as a relationship is growing that a person has the same values as you and has the same kind of sense of the things that are important in life and not to rush into things too quickly before you, before you can see that, before you can know that. It's tricky because I think as human beings, we, we want to feel that in love feeling. And so we do kind of rush right in. Or sometimes as a trauma response, we shut down and we don't rush in or engage in anything and just kind of stay in our own little bubbles with our own energy. Anyway, it's something to think about. Does your child come home from school crying? Do you even really know what's going on in your child's life? Has your child told you about bullying? 
and have you no idea how to approach it? Have you already gone to the school and it seems like they're not going to do anything? At no such thing as a bully, we share the tools with parents to strengthen themselves and their children so they can deal with any situation that life throws at them. Find more information about parent memberships at no such thing as a bully.com. And now back to the story. Burton in northern Saskatchewan was known for its cold weather. Anyone who hasn't seen snow can find some in Burton almost any time of the year. Not usually at this time, though. In late August, summer was in full swing. The hot temperatures felt fabulous. There were times during the winter when I just couldn't wait for my whole body to be warm. To be sure, there are those that complain about the weather in any season. I often wonder to myself why those people still live here. There are other, more temperate climes to go to. I guess that sometimes it was more comfortable to sit here and complain. And although our snowstorms were bad, we didn't have earthquakes or tornadoes. I figure you get to pick one season to complain about and that's it. If you complain about the cold in winter, you don't get to complain about the wet in spring or the hot in summer or the leaves in fall or thunderstorms. My stomach growled, alerting me to the fact that I was working through lunch. I looked down the way to the ice cream stand. Not a very healthy lunch, but since I had nothing else planned. Standing in line for a butter pecan waffle sundae bowl with an extra banana added for good measure and increased potassium, I thought about what I was doing to myself. My eating wasn't helping my energy levels and moods, that, that was for sure. But did I care right now as I looked at my chocolate-covered waffle bowl and butter pecan sauce? Mm, not really. I sat down on the bench to think things over. What a crazy couple of days, I thought, wondering what was coming next. I better deal with this issue I'd created with Mark and get that out of the way. My mind turned back to Mariah and Jonas. I wondered how they were doing. I'd hook up with Helen again this afternoon after team meeting and talk to her privately. I really wanted to see the kids again. I spaced out on the bench, allowing myself to focus my mind on nothing but taste and texture. The Secret, Part 4 It's hard to become her, the lady with the mission, but the mantra kept going, jangling at her nerves. The voices said she had to save the children, keep them safe. She knew they were watching her everywhere. She had the nicest home. This was the nicest home she'd had in a long time. They took good care of her. They found this house. They found the place. They direct the mission. And it was a little bit away from the city, so it was so quiet. The trees are so better than the sidewalk. The voices talked about shopping cart kits. First layer undershirt. I can't believe how some parents treat their children. Second layer t-shirt. You know you have to change it. Third layer sweatshirt. You know you can save the children. Fourth layer foil shirt to keep away the watchers. It's your job. Fifth layer great big t-shirt. Just do it. The voices said to check the basement to make sure that everything was still ready.
Like a strobe light, my mind lost control of itself. I don't know how long I sat there with the images flashing through my brain. Bloody walls, huddled children, the woman's still bloodied body, her face a gaping hole, blood on my hands. The ice cream slid out of my hand and hit the ground. When the images stopped flashing, I realized that I was being stared at by two small children. They looked scared. I reassured them that I was all right without even knowing if that was true, and they scurried away. I felt shaky, nauseous, and anxious, like I had to move now, right now. I stood up on my wobbly legs and felt my stomach lurch. I couldn't focus on where I wanted to go. I only knew that I had to get someplace right now, or I would soon be throwing up on the park path. The world falling like a tilting, jerking amusement park ride, a terror-filled ride for which I had no ticket. I stumbled toward the park bathrooms. Rushing through the door, I almost stepped on a girl passed out just inside the doorway. Might have been smarter to stay on the park path. I stepped over her and went to a stall. I seemed to be spending a lot of time upset in bathrooms today. My stomach cleared and the nausea faded, to be replaced by a terrible smell. Glancing in the next stall, I could see the toilet had backed up. Now I needed to get out of there. I left the bathroom, stopping long enough to make sure I could see movement in the chest of the undignified lady sprawled on the floor. Strong and steady movement detected, I left her there to sleep it off. I made it back to the main walking path. The ride was ending, and I just wanted to get to my car, roll, roll down the windows, and start driving. I needed to blow the cobwebs and the flashbulbs out of my brain. I knew flashbacks were one of the symptoms of traumatic stress, but I never knew this is what they were like. My heart was still racing as I looked for my car. My memory was seemingly impacted as well, as it didn't seem to be where I remembered parking it. I could feel my bowels loosening and my stomach rolling as I walked around looking for my car. What was happening to me? Finding my old Chevy was a relief, and sitting down in the familiar seat did me some good. I rolled down the windows and started driving. Lunchtime traffic was pretty much over, and I could drive nice and slowly, letting the wind help me recover. I unsuccessfully tried to put the incident out of my mind as I headed back to the office. That's it for today, my friendly folks. What is happening with Anna? Is there a relationship in her future? Is the struggles that she's having going to get in the way of her career and her life and um, any kind of relationship that might exist with anyone? Who is the secret and what is happening there and why did that all seem to happen at the same time of Anna's difficulties today? I guess we'll see. We'll see in future episodes. I am so glad to have been able to do this today and watch for episode, episode nine coming up soon. Post any hoorays that you have about wonderful um, experiences you've had or conversations you've had or gifts that you've received. Post them on the Facebook page because we can all use some good hoorays. And until next week, my friendly folk, peace and blessings. <laughs>